Good morning, everyone. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in Dharma. I take refuge in Sangha. This talk is called Coming Back Home. Come back home to the heart, the place where seeds take root and begin to awaken. The source of life rests in you. Come back home to yourself, for you are not what you think you are. See how those thoughts flicker, the not good enoughs, the comparisons flicker. Come back home to this breath. It is a bridge, a porthole, a stargate. You don't need to control it or make it longer or looser or better in any way. See how it breathes you now, here, in this body, on this earth, with this community of all beings. You are not bound. Your heart is free. Just love, attend, and bow. Chosen Roshi often refers to Zen practice as coming home, a homecoming. This tradition, a set of practices and forms that support us in truly being ourselves. What is the self? Who are you really? Who are you really? So this weekend, someone said a beetle, someone else an earthworm, someone else a dream. Someone said a tree, a leaf, starlight. Someone said a smile, kindness, the breath, a witness, a friend, a mountain, the sky. In Zen, we would say yes, 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 and who are you really? Doing retreat can feel like a homecoming. So we're finishing here at the monastery uh, Beginner's Mind weekend retreat. It's amazing how much happens in a weekend when you're paying attention. Doing retreat can feel like a homecoming. Doing zazen can feel like a homecoming. Being present with this breath can feel like a homecoming. So human doesn't need a tradition to tell us that paying attention is intimate, is home. But what is this home? What are the qualities of your inner sense of belonging? When do you feel most at home? Is it peace? 
gratitude, love, intimacy, or something else, or all, and, and. When do you feel at home with yourself in your own body? And when do you feel separate? So that's something that came up in our, in our closing circle, people talking about intimacy and separation, connection and separation. So in Zen, whenever we have those, a set of polarities arises, uh, it's good to investigate in your own experience. Okay, so there's this, this deep relaxation that can happen when we feel at home. A deep sense of inner peace. And then that, that feeling of being separate, how does that happen? Is it thoughts? Is it beliefs? I make this gesture when I said it. Oh, that has something to do with it. Maybe grasping. Maybe that's part of it. It's what the Buddha said. So Zazen invites us into a deep intimacy with ourselves. To notice what thoughts and beliefs establish that sense of being separate. Comparison. I just wrote down a few of my favorites. Comparison, judgment, self-criticism, jealousy, blame. And sometimes we establish these habits of mind, the list could be longer, um, to protect ourselves. In an unpredictable, uncertain world and society where discrimination and violence are practiced regularly, it makes sense. It makes sense that we have habits of mind to protect ourselves. In Zazen, as many people discovered this weekend, we can make space for the parts of ourselves that feel separate and divided. For the feelings that we've relegated to being unacceptable feelings, we can offer kindness and compassion to those parts of ourselves. And Zazen gives us the space to feel what the mind has labeled unacceptable. And in that subtle act, and it can be very subtle in meditation, that subtle act of companioning ourselves instead of rejecting or numbing or pushing away or fighting, even just subtly, that practice of companioning ourselves with compassion of turning towards, of saying yes and you too, you too. That's where healing happens. That's where that healing, that sense of separation, of division, internal sense of separation, division, that's where it starts to happen. In our presence, in our kindness, in our compassion. Then the inner divisiveness is given space to be seen, to be reincorporated. Zazen also gives us space to see how the apparent others in our lives, um, to see them, to see these apparent others in our lives without labels, without the labels that we usually put on people. Or we see the labels that we're putting on people as it's happening and it seems ridiculous. <laughs> like 
two hours into silence, look up, look at somebody, oh, they don't like me. I can tell by the look in their eyes. They're not even looking at me, but I'm sure of it. Right? I, a number of people are laughing, so I imagine you've had similar experience. Right? We've decided someone doesn't like us based on a look. I mean, I caught myself doing this a couple of weeks ago with one of my teaching partners. I was like, he doesn't really like me. He's just putting up with me. We interpret a moment of hesitation in someone's face as rejection, not thinking like, oh, maybe they're confused or constipated or I mean, so many reasons, right, that someone, um, we judge people based on their political views, the place that they live, the last thing they ate for breakfast, the, the last thing they said or did. And we forget, we forget that each and every being is complex network of feelings, sensations, thoughts, beliefs, has this whole inner life that we're not privy to most of the time. But you know what? We also do this to ourselves. We forget that we are complex. We judge ourselves based on the last thing that we said or did. And we can hold on to that for a long time, sometimes years, sometimes decades. But we are all complex beings. We are all complex beings with wounds and wonders, fears and traumas, shynesses, complexes, hopes, despairs. And we all have the capacity to love, to express love, to care for each other. We all have some relationship with the mystery of being human, the mystery of being alive and all the questions it carries. What is this life? And we all have this rich, rich inner life that animates us, that makes meaning, that is creative and curious and often wordless. And so in Zazen, we get to know that part of ourselves and we get to see it, take away some of those labels that prevent us from appreciating it and then begin to see it in others. There's a famous line uh, from one of the founders of the Japanese Soto Zen tradition. His name is Dogen Zenji. Um, And I find it a great summary of the path of spiritual practice. And people probably know what I'm going to say. Um, It's often quoted at the end of a beginner's mind retreat. But it's a very good line. I want to give you this transmission so you have it. To study the Buddha way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be enlightened by the 10,000 dharmas. To be enlightened by the 10,000 dharmas is to free one's body and mind and the body and mind of others. No trace of enlightenment remains And this traceless enlightenment continues forever. So it's a line with a lot of layers, a lot of depth, one you can ponder and carry around with you for the rest of your life, and it will continue to give. (laughs) Um, But let's look at it line by line, just to take a little dip into its wisdom. 
So to study the Buddha way is to study the self, to be on the spiritual path, whatever path, whatever spiritual you want to call it, to be on this path of being human, this life, is, is a study of the self, is a study of what it, what it means to be alive. Who am I? Who am I really? And so we start where we are. Pema Chodron's famous book line is really good. We start where we are. Dharma practice is an invitation into the sanctity of this unique human life. This one, this is the one we get to study. This one with these hands, this breath, these thoughts, these ideas, this perception. So I I started this talk asking the question, who are you really? It's a serious question. That question alone you can carry around for the rest of your life. And this is one of the primary questions in, in Zen practice. So to study the self means and can mean getting to know ourselves by getting to know our inner community, which if this is your first retreat, I'm sure you came across some characters like the inner critic, the judge. We come to know our hurts, the ways that we separate, the ways that we wiggle away from intimacy. We come to know how the mind likes to wander. We come to know what practices help us establish a sense of balance. We learn how to be friends with ourselves. We learn how to love ourselves. And that's a really fundamental part of this to study the Buddha way is to study the self. It's learning how coming to love ourselves, all of ourselves. And as we make peace with ourselves through meditation, through loving kindness practice, through self-compassion, we also begin to make peace with the parts of others that perhaps we didn't like in ourselves. As we include more of more kindness for ourselves, it extends out and affects our relationships. We learn to see what thoughts and beliefs make us difficult to be around and then appreciate that others are difficult because they too experience fear and have harmful strategies for working with their fear because they never learned another way just like we never learned another way until now. The next line, so that we could go on and on with that line, but there's a little hint of how to start working with to study the self, which you all have been engaged with this weekend or in your spiritual life. So the next line is to study the self is to forget the self. And self-forgetting happens when we begin to see that our thoughts and beliefs about the world aren't 100% true. They're just a perspective. They're one perspective, a voice among many voices. And so in that seeing, even just putting a question mark behind a thought when it arises, you're not good at this. You're not good at this. Hmm, might be a question, not a statement of absolute truth. We can learn to take ourselves a little less seriously 
And we can begin to use our thoughts instead of being used by our thoughts. You get that sense of being used by your thinking mind. It's just like totally in control and you're at the mercy of it. Well, through studying the self, we can learn to put thoughts in their place. They don't have to be the 100% truth of the moment. And so we can use them instead of being used by them. And so perhaps in this process, some views, some thoughts are shed. We see through them. Some are opened up. We see beyond them. We can have periods perhaps of zazen during the day or in our daily lives where the weight of trying to be someone, trying to be right, trying to be good is lifted temporarily. And we can simply be. Breath bird sound, sky, tree, human, sadness, fear, anxiety, peace, all have a place and all can be felt and experienced without labels. So something that came up in one of the group interviews that Myoyu and I uh, co-led during this retreat was the experience of being with a feeling in the body without a label. So let's try it. Right now, scan through the body and become aware of a part of the body where there is mild discomfort or tension, something your mind would label discomfort or tension. Now see if you can get a little close to that. Like let's go inside that sensation. And let's pull off the label discomfort and tension and just be with the direct experience. Simply feel and experience the physical sensations in that area with kindness and curiosity. See, feel. Does this area of sensations have a shape? Feeling from the inside. Does it have a color? Are the sensations in this area, are they constant? Or do they arise, exist for a while and change, disappear even? And then a new sensation arises. Is there space around the sensations? space between the sensations. Can you locate a single sensation of discomfort? And how long does it last? Are some of the sensations in this area enjoyable? Is it enjoyable to be paying attention with kindness to this area. Thank you for experimenting with that. I always find it interesting that immediately when I pull off the label of discomfort, suddenly I'm able to be with the sensations and they're not so bad. And so that's just an interesting 
thing that I've learned in my own practice. When I label something, I often am not actually feeling it. I, I label it and then I'm like, know what that is, not gonna go there. And then it just, it just wipes out that part of the experience. And you can do that with physical sensations, with mental sensations, with thoughts, um, with emotional sensations. And so it's very interesting to explore, well, what if I took off the label and was just with it for a little bit with kindness and curiosity? What else is there? So we can do that with you know, knee pain, which is what I just did it with. But we could do that with the whole sense of self, this whole idea of me. We could do that with the feeling of I'm right or they're wrong or I'm wrong. So it's very interesting. When we uh, experience our life, ourselves, our bodies, emotions, mental phenomena without labels, they are given space to breathe, space to transform, and in that space to heal and to change. This is part of forgetting the self. In Zen we say, it is seeing the emptiness of self, that we are constructed from labels, that the direct experience of being is actually quite slippery. And so we label to kind of get a grasp on something. But when we go into the experience, it's much more slippery, inchoate, ambiguous. Other ways of saying that in the Zen tradition that are more positive are spacious, free, creative. (laughs) This is the wisdom of beginner's mind. Every moment is happening new. Every moment is happening new. Who you think you are is actually dying moment to moment to be born as this next moment. Thich Nhat Hanh said that all the time in very beautiful poetic songs. Being born just this moment. When we forget the self of the past, we let ourselves be created anew. Dogen Zenji says in another teaching poem, poem, moment by moment, the body appears and disappears without abiding. Moment by moment, a thought appears and disappears without abiding. But the power of practice always matures. It's actually quite freeing to not have to carry around your entire past. Memories arise, stories arise, knowledge arises when needed in a conversation or in work. Some things we forget. Probably better to forget some things anyway. We don't need to constantly be reminding ourselves what we are, who we are, what we know. It's often not accurate. And we don't need the inner critic to go around reminding us how bad we are. How helpful is that? Though the original stanza continues, to forget the self is to be enlightened by the 10,000 dharmas. Those moments when we're able to empty out of self-centered thinking, let go of some of the labels, uh, Byron Katie calls them the sticky notes that we place on things, let go of some of those, 
there is space for the world to shine forth unadulterated by our feelings, views, beliefs, judgments, and opinions. And we don't just see the tree, but we, we're, we're the tree. We are the tree. Or we don't just witness someone's happiness. It fills us up from the inside. We don't just feel sorry for someone's situation. We're touched by their pain. Sometimes we are given these deep glimpses into the world of another, an, an apparent other, another's universe. We're just taken up, the self emptied out, and we feel, experience things so intimately. Sometimes the sound of the bell resonates through the whole body. Or another way of saying this is um, sometimes we're able to imagine into feeling another's experience. So Miyoyu posed the question this morning. She did a meditation on being a tree in the forest and then posed the question, does the leaf know anything about the starlight? <laughs> so what is it like to drop your self view for a moment, this view of I'm a limited human being, I don't have any connection to the tree or the star, and become the tree, the leaf and the star, become land, become mountain. We have koans in the Zen tradition that help us work at stepping out of our self-centered thinking, our, our human-centered thinking, and try on aspects of this self, of the self of the universe, parts that perhaps usually we disidentify with are just really other. Like one koan says, save a ghost. Another says, stop the fighting across the river. Another says, bring me a mountain. Another way to appreciate being enlightened by the 10,000 dharmas is holding the open question, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? Can I see everything that arises in my life as teacher, as path? Can I let myself be a humble learner of life's mysteries? One teacher says, whatever arises, love that. When we forget the self, we let the world become ourselves. And it actually already is. When we forget the self, we let the world become ourselves. We have this amazing capacity as human beings to be aware. It's an amazing capacity. It's so fundamental to who we are, we often take it for granted. But we have this amazing capacity as human beings to be aware. Our awareness in the contemplative traditions, we say it's the ground of mind. It's the ground of our being. It's the primary aspect of experience. And when we are aware and know that we're aware, which often we touch in meditation. Sometimes we're all going around on autopilot and awareness is just functioning freely for us. But when we're aware and know that we are aware, there is freedom. That's the key to freedom. 
The content of our awareness is part of the field, but not the totality of who and what we are. So the content of our awareness sometimes manifests as a building, sometimes as 55 people in a room, sometimes as thoughts, clouds, spirits, trees, ice cream, hint, pain. (laughs) (laughs) But what arises in awareness, like ice cream, it's always changing. What arises in awareness is always changing and yet is inseparable from awareness. The content is always changing, right? Thoughts are moving through. Body sensations are moving through. We encounter different human beings. They're changing. The content is always changing, but awareness remains. And both are of the same substance, ungraspable, spacious, luminous. What we direct our awareness towards grows. It shapes our life. If we put kindness, compassion, and curiosity in our awareness, they will grow. We cannot control what arises in awareness. Sometimes it's nightmares, sometimes it's daydreams, sometimes it's sickness, sometimes it's aging bodies, sometimes it's breath, sometimes it's tension. Sometimes it's love. We cannot control what arises in awareness, but where we do have some choice is how we respond and react to the content that is moving through our awareness. So we practice kindness. So we practice openness. So we practice forgiveness, non-grasping, patience, We practice creatively bearing witness to the ways the self arrays itself. And this is how we free our bodies and minds and the bodies and minds of others. And then no trace of enlightenment remains and this traceless enlightenment continues forever. It's not ours, but we are a part of it. 